Hi everyone, it's Britt, the Petite Polymath, and today we're going to talk about the novel Normal People by Sally Rooney. So, um, I don't know about you all, but it has been a year. It has been a winter, a spring, and a summer. It has been some weeks, and some months, and days. Um, there's a lot going on, and I find that when I need to just kind of disconnect a bit from the weight of the world, fiction never seems to let me down. Um, before all of the police brutality unrest that compounded the weight of COVID, I had happened upon a show on Hulu called Normal People. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I have a penchant for uh, teenage angst. Um, this show I, heard, I saw before I realized it was a book. So I usually am a purist. I read the book first, then I watch the show or the movie. But I had no idea it even existed in text form when I fell into the show. Uh, I also love accents that are not American. And it is a, a, a novel set in Ireland, uh, Dublin and Sligo, to be exact, Carrickley. Um, and so I, it didn't take much for me to fall in love with, with the, um, the show and the characters. And then um, I bought the book. Um, when was that? Maybe like a few weeks ago and decided to read it. It totally holds up. Um, in fact... I mean, the book is beautiful, and the show is just something different. Um, I will preface it with that it's a bit steamy. Um, but as someone who is, like, very vigilant about not being someone who watches gratuitous violence and sex, what is happening in the show and in the book actually have context in, in, the, in the bigger plot and story, and it makes a lot of sense, and so you don't feel skeezy or gross um, at all. So there we are, because, you know, human beings do have sex. This does happen. So Normal People, um, a New York Times bestseller. Clearly, I've been living under a rock. Uh, the book is about a pair of um, teenagers, uh, Marianne and Connell, in small town Ireland um, in the in the 2010s um, who are finishing up secondary school getting ready to go off to university. Um, Marianne is from a wealthy family. Um, she has an older brother and her father's dead. You know there's some drama in the family um, just because they just kind of are kind of the the wealthy family that doesn't really fit. Um, and Marianne has kind of a devil-may-care um, attitude towards her peers and her school and her small town. Then you have Connell, who is kind of everyone's favorite man. He's popular, he's an athlete, he's attractive, he's intelligent, but he's also quite uh, shy and reserved. And because he's grown up in this place, everyone knows who he is. So he has nothing he really has to prove. Um, he is from a single parent home. His mom is the housekeeper for Marianne's family. Uh, and so these two have grown up together. They've been in classes together all these years. And then now their orbits kind of start to overlap um, in this last year of secondary school. They end up in 
I would not say a relationship, more of like a friends with benefits sort of thing. At least that's how it's couched. But there's clearly some emotional connection here. And they just can't seem to get out of each other's orbit for the next few years. Um, they end up in the same university, Trinity, uh, in Dublin. And because of this, there is this kind of shaping of them coming of age together as they rotate in, the, in and out of each other's lives for other relationships um, over time. It is beautiful and heart-wrenching and bittersweet. And if you had a love when you were a teenager, it will hit you in the feels, particularly if um, you went your separate ways, not because you didn't like the person, but just because of life and probably because you were headed in different directions, not because of anything wrong with the other person. Uh, some themes that come up are the ideas of um, someone being your soulmate and yet not necessarily having to be the person that you are with um, in a committed relationship forever. Uh, also, this idea of, of someone being able to transform your life. Um, there's a, a passage, I, I actually highlighted a few things, and I'll read maybe one or two, but there's one passage where Connell's thoughts says something to the effect of how, when you're young, you make these seemingly small decisions that have a huge impact on your life. You know, like you like someone, and you're 16, 17, getting ready to go to college, and because you love them, you choose a university that's close to them or the same school, something that can completely change the course of your life. You might not end up with that person, but what you study and who you come across and who you might ultimately meet and where you move was all contingent on the fact that this person was a part of your life um, in a way that was meaningful to you. And I think that as an adult, uh, we often diminish the, the intensity of love that teenagers feel forgetting that it is very real at that moment. Uh, I mean, goodness, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet is a teenage love story. Um, Jesus, the son of God, is, uh, you know, birthed by a teenage mother. Um, this idea that people shortly out of puberty can't have deep feelings and commitments is really kind of insulting. Like, I, I, actually, I actually push back at that. I, I think maybe the way the world is shaped now, we don't give a lot of space to those feelings. You know, their brains aren't fully developed and they haven't lived enough life. But there are people who settle down in relationships from their youth and they're able to, because of the health of the relationship, grow and evolve in those relationships um, or be shaped by those relationships and move on and do something else. And so I don't think we can really say that because you're 17, what you feel isn't as valid um, or evolved as what you feel at 27 or 37, right? Or 57. Um, there's also uh, views of um, the health of how families impact you, the foundations of being loved unconditionally by parents, supportive siblings, um, abuse in the home, uh, socioeconomic class and the ways that that impact um, relationships across those classes and also like peer groups 
and bullying um, and how that impacts relationships between um, young people. Um, being known by someone in a way that you can't articulate and being able to love people for different reasons or for what they bring out in you and being a different person depending on who you're with. Um, mental health and depression, uh, self-loathing and, and kind of self-destructive behavior or low self-esteem and how that plays a role in how you interact with people in loving relationships or not, and how love can transform you um, and heal. Uh, being able to let go of people in the hope that they, you know, could return different than they were, having the space for people to change and still be open to meeting them, um, and also knowing that they might not come back and that being okay. Um, yeah, just how for them their relationship was the safe place where they were able to figure out who they actually were in a way that other relationships didn't give them the space to really do. And I mean, I don't know about anyone else who's read the book or, or seen the show. Actually, I do know how uh, some friends of mine, we have a book club on Fridays when we've been talking, we talked about the show and read all the op-eds about it. It, 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 it makes you like yearn for that sort of connection with someone if you haven't had it. And even personally thinking about myself and my own choices in my life, uh, when I think about college and why I chose the school I chose at the time, I, I had lots of ideas in my head of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. There was someone in my life at the time that definitely had an impact on why I chose the school I chose. I don't think I told anyone that at the time. Um, probably not even myself, but it was in the back of my head. I loved where I went to university, wouldn't trade it for anything, but there was something about someone being close, and that's why I picked it, in addition to the fact that I loved it. So it wasn't a compromise, it was just a, this is a win-win. Um, and had that person not been there at that time, I might not have chosen that school. I might have chosen someplace else, and who I would be now, and who I would know, could very possibly be very different. I'm pretty sure it would be very different. So um, there are a couple of interesting lines here. Ah, yes, to that end. Um, so as an aside, there's something really neat that Sally Rooney does. You get perspective from both Connell and Marianne's point of views, which I really appreciate. So, um, but Connell, I think it might be Marianne thinking this potentially. She says, it's funny the decisions you make because you like someone, he says. Oh, that is Connell. And then your whole life is different. I think we're at that weird age where life can change a lot from small decisions. But you've been a very good influence on me overall. Like, I definitely am a better person now, I think, thanks to you. So that's something that I kind of sat with for a bit. And there's another thought um, about bullying and cruelty um, where, from Marianne's perspective, um, there's a loss of life in the book of a classmate of theirs. And this doesn't really give it very much away. Um, and she's reflecting on this, on this young man, and so she says, 
Um, everyone talked about what a great person Rob had been, full of life, a devoted son, and so on. But he was also a very insecure person, obsessed with popularity, and his desperation had made him cruel. Not for the first time, Marianne thinks cruelty does not only hurt the victim, but the perpetrator also, and maybe more deeply and more permanently. You learn nothing very profound about yourself simply by being bullied, but by bullying someone else, you learn something you can never forget. And that's actually a perfect segue, as I have a few minutes, and I'm just going to stream of consciousness here, go, and then um, stop. Is a perfect segue into kind of what we're seeing currently in this whole police brutality stuff that's going on. Um, you know, James Baldwin, Toni Morrison, they both have said that the people who need white supremacy are the people to be pitied. That if you need to inflict cruelty and domination and make someone subhuman to feel like a human, to feel like a person, you're the one that has the problem. And that those people are the people that need the help. And it just strikes me that there is, there is a lot of truth in the fact that people who inflict cruelty on others clearly are lacking in some way in themselves. And the damage that they're doing is not just about the damage they inflict on others, but there is damage to oneself, moral injury to oneself, when you do something heinous to someone else. And so if we're going to have a more, a more just world, um, taking a very hard look at the ways that individuals contribute to systems that dehumanize in in any way, um, we really need to be very vigilant about how to dismantle those things. Uh, I'm reading All About Love by Bell Hooks um, now, and I just am so struck by these ideas of loving ethics and the ways in which our world is just not built on them at all. And I think that some of the weight that we're feeling it's all the ways in which the systems just don't deliver. Um, I think that if I did not have the faith I had, I would be very um, hopeless about the possibility for change. But I think that, you know, these snippets of beauty, whether it's connectedness in relationships, the possibility of people wanting to listen and and do the work of, of deep self-reflection and then like truth and reconciliation, truth and unity, truth and like system rebuilding, that does give me hope. And so I hope that if you have a break, you will take a read of Sally Rooney's Normal People. Um, something else that's making me happy at the moment is Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. I am so missing travel and watching this delightful man who's like, you know, a Jewish uncle traveling the world with like just pure bliss as he eats wonderful things and tells dad jokes and calls into his cute, cute parents, God rest his mother, his father now, um, on his Skype when he's traveling the world 
and just connecting with people, it is like a balm for the soul. It is the best thing on TV right now. There's three seasons. I highly recommend it, especially if you have some wanderlust that can't be met right now. Um, I hope you all are staying well. Wear your mask. Socially distance. Drink a lot of water. Try to find joy. Um, be a good neighbor. That's about all I got.